Hi, welcome back to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, as we banter about the room, I guess we'll read more books. No, it will it be will, me. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Um, we're having our every two-week conversation about what we've been reading. But you know, actually, this is the first year that you really could beat me. You really could read more books than I do this year. I won't. You're right. You'll you'll manipulate the count. <laughs> I don't All manipulate rig. the count. I just read what I read. Line media is going to mess with the <laughs> numbers. But you're doing really well this year, and I think this week you read more than I did again. Yeah, I did. It's it's close on the year. We, we compared one day, and you were one ahead of me. I may have made that up. I don't know. I mean, again, really, truly, at the end of the day, I just want to read the books that I read, and it's probably more than I've ever read before and if that's more than you read awesome but if it's not it's not like I'm gonna you know be inconsolable for I months to come I have never heard you say that and this might be the big one <laughs> the episode don't, where Julie keels over a fart field I don't believe that you mean that so well maybe it was gamesmanship <laughs> I don't know regardless let's talk about books that's all right, here's what I read over the past two weeks. It hasn't been a ton. I'm having eye problems. It makes it hard to focus. Um, but anyway, the first one was Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I think I've said on here before that um, I'm not a huge fan of this series, but it turns out that I am a big fan of reading them with our son. <laughs> um, I had a really good time going through this book with him. We had already read some of the awesome friendly kid stuff and... Um, he really wanted to read this one together, and it was worth it. It's just a really fun story. Um, I read Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney. This was a much-hyped book that came out this fall. Um, I, I think I'm one of the few people in the world besides you who did not read Normal People, which was um, her last big book. I think they made it into maybe like a miniseries or something. Hmm, or maybe know. on Hulu, a movie. I don't know exactly because I didn't read the book, so I didn't watch whatever it was either. Um, actually, I read the first, um, I don't know, couple chapters of Normal People and did not think it was for me. It just um, didn't click with me right away. And I think I had like a lot of other things that I wanted to read right then. However... Beautiful World, Where Are You? I really enjoyed this one. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of it, I also thought that maybe I wouldn't like this book very much because I really need to care about the characters and it's better if I can care about them from the beginning. And these characters got on my nerves a little bit in the beginning um, just because th they were real people, you know? They just showed who they were, warts and everything. And I wasn't really, really sure that I was always on their side. But I think that that's one of the marks of a skillful author um, who shows you through the development of characters in the book, just a full, well-rounded person. And you look at these people and you think, oh, that's me, you know, yeah. that's everybody that I know. And that was really a fabulous book. So I probably should go back and give normal people another chance also. It was a great book. Um, I realized I'm not giving any kind of a synopsis. <laughs> Beautiful World, Where Are You? Is, it's a really literary kind of book. It follows four people. Um, two of them are women who were best friends from college. The other two are the um, men who become the men in their lives. And um, it's, there's, there's just not a good synopsis. It's a really good book about people, about friendship, about the way our lives change, who we are, and what we want from them. Um, then I read Arsenic and Adobo by Mia P. Manansala, um, which was a cozy mystery. 
Again, departure for me. I don't really read a ton of mysteries. Great title. Yeah, I don't really do cozy mysteries either, but I think that this is the beginning of a series, and I'm all about this series. I will read them all. Interesting. Um, it balanced our shared read really nicely for me um, because it was just fun. It was fast-paced. Like the characters immediately. There was lots of food talk in this. Um, basically, the story is that the main character has come back home against her will after um, a breakup of a long-term relationship. Um, she comes back and she helps in her family's struggling cafe where um, her ex-boyfriend, who is the town's restaurant reviewer, he comes in to eat one day and then drops dead, like right there in the restaurant, and everybody thinks they poisoned him. And so the book is an attempt to clear their name and so also to find out what actually happened to this guy. It's really fun to read. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was funny. It was diverting. All the way good. So she's done more of these? I think she's going to do more of these. Oh, so I you're think, on the I think this is the first one. I like that. We've, we've enjoyed like Cormoran Strike and things like that. <laughs> this that is can... not Cormoran Strike. This is not gory. No, and, no, no, yeah. no, no. I just mean the ability to like have something series. ongoing. Okay. Yeah, All that's right. that's cool. And then the last thing that I read um, is called When Stars Are Scattered. It's by Victoria Jameson and Omar Muhammad, and it's a graphic novel um, about refugees. Um, I got this one from our daughter. She has joined a middle school book club at school, and this was the first book that they read together. I think she read it five times. She had it a month before <laughs> the book club meeting. She liked it enough that she read it five times. She only would give it to me after that fifth reading and the book club discussion at school. Like she just want, she yeah. liked it. Um, and so I was really excited to read it, and I loved this one too. It made me cry pulled at my heart. It was funny too at times. It just was a beautiful picture of um, life in a refugee camp and the attempt of a young boy to keep hope in the face of despair. And I don't want to dive in too deep because spoiler alert, this is going to be the common read. I'm about to read this, but you said that this is essentially a true story, right? Yeah. I didn't pay any attention to the author names. I was so into the story. And then at the end of it, um, there was a note from, um, the Victoria Jameson, who was the co-writer here, and mm -hmm. then Omar is the the child in the story, and so yeah. this was his telling of his own story. So absolutely gorgeous. We'll talk about it a little bit more at the end of this podcast, and then we'll go into greater depth um, next time, and probably we'll also bring Natalie and let her give her thoughts as well. Sounds good. Well. All right, Joe, tell us what you have been reading. You know, it's a very uh, kind of here, there, and everywhere a lot for me this time, which I, I'm prone to sticking in the same things. Listen to you talk about arsenic and adobo once makes me want to uh, dust off something in that genre. Uh, my dad said he'd found a good uh, detective he thought I'd like, but I haven't heard back from him whether that's a movie <laughs> or a book, so we'll have well, to hold the phone on that one. You just really need a variety of things to read, and I've, I've truly enjoyed the more serious things that I've read, but every now and then you just need something that is pure fun all the way through. Well, this was a varied lot. So first, The Pastor by Eugene Peterson, and this was recommended to me by a Twitter friend, uh, it wasn't recommending it to me. There was a conversation about really good memoirs. And the guy mentioned this, and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was a thing. Like Eugene Peterson, appreciate his yeah, good absolutely. work on the message. And he said, you know, it was a really helpful book to me. I can't recommend it the way that I can recommend the message, which 
as an aside, if you want to read the Bible in a more contemporary language that doesn't seem to sacrifice the meaning, the message is beautiful. Uh, Eugene Peterson obviously really cared about what he was doing and did a thorough, tremendous job of that. Uh, the pastor has moments that are what you would hope they would be. On the whole, as a narrative, it feels a little scattershot just because it's really just Eugene Peterson's life. And I mean, you know, he, he didn't win the Nobel Prize. He didn't cure cancer. It's the pastor because it's really about him coming to grips with his vocation. Uh, and, and some of the stories aren't terribly dramatic, but, you know, it, it was one of those books that I started, and I'm like, it's going a little slow, and then he told a couple of stories, and I was like, no, nah, never mind, I'm in, I'll stick with you, and and was glad I did. It, it was interesting, uh, and, and you don't often get a backward look at a life well-lived by a spiritual person in the kind of position that Peterson is in. It's It's humbling and interesting to hear him recount his own shortcomings and his own lessons, uh, so I would recommend it if you're not overly familiar with Eugene Peterson. It may not be must-read stuff for you, but but if you know who the guy is and have some interest, uh, I, I think you'll find it illuminating at times and, and worth reading always. So Yeah, he's pretty great, and I, I heard you talk about this quite a lot while you were reading it. So The second one is a book called Hot Hot Chicken. And I almost bought this book for you several times. Yeah, and I, I didn't, and you listened to it, right? No, I read this. This oh, okay. was an e-read. It, okay. it was a, on a screen, but uh, Hot Hot Chicken, a Nashville story by Rachel Louise Martin. Almost bought you this several times because of your immense love for Nashville Hot Chicken. I love Nashville Hot Chicken. If you know, you know. If you don't know, find out. Uh, uh, what's the saying? If you don't know, you better ask somebody. But, uh, <laughs> but uh This book really wasn't what I expected. I came to this expecting it to just be about hot chicken. And at first I was kind of turned askance by it because it's really almost like a a sociological history. And that just was not what you were expecting. Yeah, it, it really becomes a book that's largely about how miraculous hot chicken had to be to get here. The things in Nashville coming up in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s the hot chicken had to survive to be a thing here in 2021, um, which is interesting from a historical perspective. Um, you know, as a white person, I'm often unaware of the subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways that I'm advantaged. And a book like this really, step by step, kind of, you know, okay. You, you set up a restaurant, and then they're going to squeeze you out of your neighborhood. And then they're going to tear down the neighborhood where your house is. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody ever set out on a <laughs> quest to destroy hot chicken or, or this particular family. But there's a lot of mishaps along the way. It's, and it's, you're talking, of course, about the founding family yes. of hot chicken. And to the extent that we know, we never know the name <laughs> of the woman who allegedly gives birth to hot chicken. We have some speculation in here. Uh, Rachel does a good job of, of kind of tracing the story as far as you can trace it. But the final details are never going to be there. But, uh, you know, and, and it appeals to me. Prince is, is the old school hot chicken place it is the original 
And um, it was your first hot chicken place and, and the place that you came back to a million times. Oh, I loved it. It was so sketchy and dilapidated and wonderful. Um, and yeah. you, it, it doesn't exist anymore in that form. No, there, there is a Prince's now, but it is gentrified. Uh, it is in a different neighborhood. The original Prince's uh, was destroyed one night when someone ran a car through the strip mall where it was housed. Um, and, and, you know, it, my internal, uh, you know, emotional Joni Mitchell here says they paint paradise and put up a parking lot. Uh, <laughs> it'll never come back. But anyway, if you want to know the backstory, if you want to know more about the history of Nashville, this was a really interesting book. And by the end, I circled back and was like, no, this, this wasn't what I thought, but maybe it's what I needed to read. So well done. Uh, surprising, different kind of book. Excellent. Uh, read another one called Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations and Reflections on and Off the Court by John Wooden, the great UCLA basketball coach. I have to admit, John Wooden, listening to him recount his wisdom, it's almost like... Did he read the book himself? No, no, oh, okay. no, no. It's, it's almost like Yoda, though. There's such a, like, stripped-down simplicity. <laughs> I mean, he, he says things like, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. I mean, that's a John Woodenism. These are these just pithy little maxims, and they're undoubtedly true. But I do want to be like, dude, you had Kareem. You had Bill Walton. You know what? You prepared to kick everybody's butt because you had the best players. <laughs> Is he still alive? He's not. Okay. And he was a wonderful man and a role model. Um, it's always interesting, but at the same time, I had to come away a little bit disappointed. My favorite part of the book was Bill Walton's weird letter to him that they included in the book, just because Bill Walton's such a freaking lunatic. And it really makes me think that he was special to hear the way Walton talks about it. Because Walton was this counterculture, hippie, deadhead, seven-foot basketball man-child. And he talks about what wouldn't meant to him and, and the way that he's passed it down to his kids. Um, and they had nothing in common except that they appreciated each other. And at the end, that's pretty profound in itself, I guess. It is. So, you know, wasn't that it was a bad book, just that, you know, I, it's kind of like, what, what's the secret? Tell me how it all works, John Wooden. Nobody's going to tell you the He's secrets. not going to tell you. If he knew it, he wasn't going to tell you. He was way too smart for that. But if there was a secret, it was be genuine enough with people that you can build relationships with people who are completely different than you, who when, when you're an old man, they still look back fondly 40 years on on the things you taught them, which is pretty profound. And then my other two, the presidential biography uh, crusade goes on, American Lion, Andrew Jackson in the White House by John Meacham. Um, now I'm trying to find a Martin Van Buren biography. I have one on interlibrary loan, much harder. But, but this is John Meacham, so we know it was good. It was good. I was a little bit disappointed that so much of Jackson's presidency you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. One of Jackson's cabinet members married a woman who, well, let's just say her virtue was often speculated about. She had been married before. There were dirty rumors that her husband had disappeared after she had taken up with another man, and there was a child, and maybe it was his child, and maybe it was someone else's child. Who knows how much of it was ever true? 
that's this massive shadow that hangs over a large portion of Jackson's administration because he just would not part with this dude, uh, even when members of his own family were, were like pulling the other direction. So that was a really strange episode. That- I mean, Jackson was strange. I don't know much about him, but I know he was strange. He was determined, uh, possibly to the point of insanity. I mean, the great Andrew Jackson story is he's the first president that someone tries to kill. A man pulls out pistols and shoots at him from close range, and the pistols misfired, at which point Jackson begins beating the man vigorously, so vigorously that they have to pull Jackson off of him. Can I just say that that has to be the 30th time I've heard that story because you have loved that story for years before you even read this book? Yeah, because it's a great story. It's a lunatic story. This guy was very, very different. You know, the, the thing that comes through is his determination that America at its heart had to be a union, that even in times of incredible difference, and Jackson saw some of the same kind of things we see today, he never lost focus on the fact that we can disagree about things, we can take differing measures of things, but if we aren't one country, then what are we? There you go. And if he was great, that is why. Oh, very much. Now, he was complicated. Uh, the, the Trail of Tears is his negative legacy. Oh, yeah. He was a slave owner. He didn't do much to destroy that. Pretty much his stance against it was that the people who wanted to secede down in South Carolina, he didn't have any stomach for them either. You know, we could disagree about slavery, but we were still one country. Um, and, and Lincoln came back to Jackson on that subject, you know, and when he's trying to figure out the legality of the stuff behind the Civil War. So it was a good book. It was well, well written. Jackson is hard to pin down. He's elusive. He's a hard guy to get on pages. Uh, Meacham does a valiant job. I don't know that I can entirely say he succeeded, but... I feel like it'll probably be a little more vibrant than the Martin Van Buren biography I end up with next. Yep. And then the legendary Harry Carey, Baseball's Greatest Salesman by Don Zminda, a biography of the great broadcaster. Um, When I was nine years old, I went to my first Major League Baseball game at Cincinnati's Riverfront Stadium where they played my beloved Chicago Cubs. Thank you, WGN. And was there a little bit early and I waved up at the booth and Harry Carey leaned out and he waved back at me. <laughs> and uh, and that was it for you. <laughs> well, you, you know, what comes out in this book is that my experience with Harry Carey, of course, was not unusual. Um, Harry's somebody who will never be replicated. I mean, he was the consummate homer. He, he was the consummate fan in the press box, uh, but he was genuine and he was enthusiastic and he was loud uh, and he was involved with his team and he made you as a listener feel like you were part of something. And that's such a hard quality to find. It's so many people who are more technically polished than Harry will never touch what Harry could do. Um, now, complicated dude, three marriages, uh, pretty much every town he left, there were people talking about how they couldn't get along with him. Uh, but, you know, this is life. He waved at me. <laughs> it was a fun book. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know a lot of his pre-Chicago history, so Zemina does a good job. He was an orphan growing up. Some of his history, there just isn't much to know. But uh, as far as it could be found, 
Don found it and recounted it. And this leads us to our shared book, which is called Leadership in Turbulent Times by Doris Kearns Goodwin. We have talked about Doris Kearns Goodwin before. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember why. Because she's awesome. I know, but you read something or talked about... You must have talked about the Lincoln book, Team of Rivals. Well, it comes up all the time for me. That would not be hard to imagine. I think that this is only the second thing of hers I've ever read, though. And the first would be her book about the Brooklyn Dodgers and growing up as a Brooklyn fan. Yeah. Um, that... Shoot, I love a memoir, and I love sports so memoir. Wait till next year is yeah. that the name of oh, it? Oh, it's fabulous, and I bought it in Cooperstown. Yeah, it's at a, that used bookstore that was. Yeah. Um. So that's that will forever be my favorite of her books, but this was pretty amazing. Um, the setup for this book is that she uses four different presidents, um, to analyze the characteristics of leadership and to show why those presidents were great. She looks at Abraham Lincoln. Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, and Lyndon Johnson. And I have to say that when I picked this book up, because this was your recommendation, mm -hmm. you read this a year ago, you said, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, when you handed this to me and I started reading it, I knew it was going to be great. I knew it was, I was going to like it, and I did. Um, but I could, I could totally understand Lincoln and both Roosevelts. I did not get Johnson. <laughs> like, why was he there? But you're the presidential scholar here, not me. So I, I didn't know very much about Johnson. He is, of course, the most modern of the four. Um, I knew that he was famous for the Civil Rights Bill. Um, but honestly, as I read the book, he's the only one of the four who didn't... He came off like as the one you would least like to have known. Does he that might have sense? been the most convoluted of the four, and and it, she's. But careful. he also came from the most difficult background, and she does a really good job illuminating the past. Well, okay, most I mean, difficult Lincoln background. Wasn't in yeah, a... not fair. But Lincoln had more things to pull him back together. Like he had a stepmother then who really loved him. Lyndon Johnson's childhood was turbulent, really all the way through, with yeah. no saving graces. Yeah. So it was just. He, he had the most, um, I don't know, to me, the most interesting background, and he probably was the most interesting personality, but he was also the only one that she worked with. Yeah, she knew Lyndon Johnson personally, right, which is probably key to her, her memory. Thorough understanding of who he was as a man. Well, and it's worth, it has to be noted, she does not, she's careful to differentiate the failure that Johnson had in handling the Vietnam War from his work on civil rights, which is what she wants to talk about. She, what she does is she, the book is in three parts. And for the, the first part, part one, she discusses the childhood and the traumas that shaped each man, mm -hmm. a chapter for each man. Then in part two, she looks at um, what as adults shaped them into the leaders that they would be. Again, a chapter for each man in chronological order. Mm -hmm. And then in part three, she breaks down um, the most significant event of each of their presidencies, like for Lincoln, the Emancipation Proclamation, um, just all the way through. And she structures those chapters differently in that each chapter is studded with headings that will tell you like the leadership characteristics she's about to illuminate through their actions and their decisions. Mm -hmm. And I found the structure of this book really helped me a lot. Again, as somebody who did not know as much about all of the presidents as you did, I had read about 
um, ever the other three, just not Lyndon Johnson. Yeah. Um, so so I came to them with at least you know three quarters of back you know decent background right. for them, but I the the setup of this helped me to think about them and their presidencies and their legacies and their characteristics in ways that I had not before, and I found myself particularly when I was reading about um, Franklin Roosevelt um, with his uh, struggle to um, pull the country through the Depression. Mm-hmm. That was the illuminating moment for him yeah. that she wrote about. Um, obviously, I'm thinking about this this history that my grandparents lived through that was so defining for our country, and I found it really interesting the ways that she showed the way, like how how thoroughly he changed the country forever. But I also was going through it thinking, yeah, you know, I've seen you know the um, my principal do this kind of thing. I wonder if he's read this book, you know, just the the solid leadership yeah. qualities that you see in anybody who does a good job, even leading five people. Well, and, and she's good good for that throughout her writing. I mean, it, it's worth noting, Team of Rivals isn't just a book that I love. When Barack Obama read it, he, he called her. You know, he was like, hey, come talk to me about this. Uh, because, you know, it, it was more than just a fascinating story. It's in the here and now. What does this mean? What, why was Lincoln great? Well, here's how you can be great, too. Well, and it was interesting to me that she also showed how each of these men were influenced by the ones who came before. How Teddy Roosevelt had studied Lincoln. <laughs> and then, of course, how Franklin Roosevelt was influenced by his relative. And yeah. then how Johnson... I had kind of looked at all of them, but particularly, I think, at Lincoln. He mm-hmm. is mentioned a lot of times with that. Um, and how the great leaders of the past, what we can learn from them in our very disparate circumstances, and how the greatest leaders do that. They don't just come up out of nothing. They are very much informing themselves based on successes of the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the way that we can use history to shape the present and the future, yeah, Everything she writes is wonderful. I mean, Team of Rivals is wonderful. Bully Pulpit. It might be my favorite of hers. <laughs> There's still one or two of hers that are on my bookshelf in there that I've got to go through. But I've never read anything she wrote that at the end I didn't put down and say, I'm glad I read that. Her writing is always very clear. It's well-structured. It's thoroughly researched. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always leading you toward a place you really want to go. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, so I think thumbs up on that one. And if you are kind of like Joe and you're like, I'm really interested in the presidents, but I don't think I'm ready for this project of a biography <laughs> of every president. Hey, this would probably be a really good way to kind of dip your toes into the presidential waters and yeah. see if learning more about the presidents is something that you would enjoy. So that's you. We would recommend Leadership in Turbulent Times by Doris Kearns Goodwin. Yep, yep. Well, and you've got the book for next time. Remind me again the title. As mentioned earlier, it's called When Stars Are Scattered by Victoria Jameson and Omar Muhammad. It's a departure for us because I think it's our first shared novel that is a graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, it will be. So looking forward to that. Also want to give a shout out to a prior listener recommendation. I have Band of Brothers in waiting on the... I believe it's the Libby app, so I don't have it quite yet, but the good news is it's on its way to me, they say, within two weeks, so probably episode after next. But uh, So thank you to Nathan for yeah, that one. Coming down the pike on that. 
If you have any comments on anything that we have read for these past two weeks or um, you've read When Stars Are Scattered, any of those kinds of things, anything you want to tell us about books or reading, you can get in touch with us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, and on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. Meanwhile, I'll be eagerly awaiting your tips on Martin Van Buren biographies. <laughs> and for goodness sake, keep reading. <laughs>